selling with authenticity. It's building that relationship. about the value. Because you want to make that impact. It can make you happy. Elevate others around Welcome to the Selling from the Heart podcast. Your home for authentic, effective, and socially integrated sales strategies to help you master the art of selling. Join your co-hosts Larry Levine and Daryl Amy, along with some of the world's best sales thought leaders and practitioners, as we explore ways to help you grow your sales. Hello and welcome back to the Selling from the Heart podcast. Your co-host, Daryl Amy, here today with Larry Levine. What's going on, Larry? You know, first of all, it's great to be here. Good to see you. We have all kinds of things happening in the Selling from Heart community. It is so exciting watching right now sales professionals all over the world across multiple industries grabbing onto this and saying, how can I bring my authentic self to my clients and build trust by building relationship value. I just keep going on and on about all the things that are happening right now. The best part is hearing the success stories and hearing back from sales professionals going, I'm not just making commission, I'm making a difference. And it's so cool right now to see uh, this movement of authenticity in the sales profession. It could be done. Let me tell you, it can be done. It, it's a great thing when we can all rise up to the occasion and say, I can be my, my authentic self because I tell you this, it will drive sales. Well, we've got a great episode here today. Brent Adamson is in the house and today's episode is brought to you by the Selling from the Heart Insiders Group. Larry, what's the Selling from the Heart Insiders Group? Let me tell you. No. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's been a blessing. Every week we get to hang out with like-minded, like-hearted sales professionals and sales leaders. And we have a blast. We talk about things in a safe environment to help elevate the game of sales. Yeah. And I think that's what it, that, that environment of safety, that environment of having like-hearted peers from multiple industries sitting down and talking with each other and figuring things out together, encouraging each other, all of this um, is so extremely helpful. And if you want to experience that, come hang out with us. Go to sellingfromtheheart.net slash insiders. Larry, today we have a guest that doesn't require too much introduction. He's a great friend, a great friend of Selling from the Heart. Um, let's just bring Brent Adamson into the studio. Brent, Brent, welcome back to Selling from the Heart. It's great to have you here. Howdy, gentlemen. How y'all doing today? Oh, you're so nice. <laughs> I'm, I'm, being my, I'm being my authentic self. Can you tell? Absolutely. If we all would have recorded what happened about 10 minutes ago, then nevertheless. Well, so I've got questions for you guys. Uh, so, but by the way, just to be clear to your audience, I totally invited me, myself onto your show. So, <laughs> you're sorry about that. Here, yeah, big change in my life, my career lately. If you guys want to talk about it, we can. We don't have to. But um, but it's just I had some downtime. So I figured, oh, I'd go on Larry's show and Daryl, see what they're up to. But the, uh, um, uh, so you guys always want to start with a question. What does it mean to sell from the heart? I, I, That's right. I, I kind of want to throw it back to you. What do you mean? But then I realized, oh no, they wrote a whole book on it. So actually, uh, <laughs> so, so you, you actually roll this out. You're on the record. I think is what you think it means. But all right, That's so right. you asked me this last time we talked, and I think I just ranted for sixty minutes. So let me let me take a different track uh, and give you one idea, which is so something even in your intro, and you heard this from Mark Hunter in your intro too, is um, authenticity. Um, there's a really interesting question about like what happens if you're authentically not very nice or something. So there's I so let me. I don't think authenticity is wrong. Authenticity is wrong. I think you should try to be your authentic self. But 
there's a really interesting tipping point where almost too much authenticity becomes maybe a liability rather than an asset. It's like sometimes people kind of don't want to know certain things. So there's, there, mm -hmm. it's like a filtered authenticity, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so we can park that and talk about that. But let me put a different idea on the table, which I'm sure is on everyone's mind and is certainly important to you guys is the word empathy. Um, mm -hmm. And I think in some ways selling from the heart well, let's talk about this because I, I think one of the ways that selling from the heart becomes really important is one of the best things that, in fact, let me put it this way. One of the single most impactful things that you can do as a professional salesperson or as a sales organization, we see this, Gartner saw this all the time in their research. I got to get my pronouns straight now that I've left Gartner. But the, um, uh, one of the things we saw at Gartner all the time, and, and you, if you can go all the way back to um, uh, Bob Cialdini in his book, Influence. And if you guys haven't read or your audience hasn't read Influence, that's the name of the book, Influence, by Bob Cialdini. You need to. It's, it's critically important for all of us, not just as sellers, but as humans. One of the single biggest ways that we can have influence on other individuals in, in a sales environment, for example, but other ways in, in a marriage, for example, for example too, mm -hmm. is to not so much focus on what that person thinks of you, but focus on what that person thinks of themselves. Right. So so our job, I would argue, as a just as a good human, but certainly our job. And I don't know if this is cynical or if it actually makes a ton of sense, but I want to get your thoughts on that. But one of the jobs we can adopt as a sales professional is to focus on how can we as a sales professional interacting with this customer or stakeholder or customer organization materially impact in a positive way the way that they think of themselves. Uh, how can we help them feel more confident in themselves, confident in their ability to make decisions on behalf of their organization? How can we make them feel better about the decisions they make? How can we make them feel less confused? How can we make them feel more certain? How can we make them feel more competent? That, again, I would argue is what you do in a good friendship. I mean, the, the, mm -hmm. if you think about your best friends, right, the people that you really want to spend time with, they're the ones that just don't you don't just like because they're great people. You like the way that you feel about yourself when you're around them. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, and I think that's a really interesting thing because we can actually see that in our, in, I got to get these pronouns right, at Gartner, we, at Gartner, bear with me, but we saw this at Gartner too in our research there, um, over and over and over again, this, I, uh, you know, I still to this day tell people all the time, the single biggest thing we can solve for in B2B sales and marketing today is helping customers feel more confident in themselves, not in you, not in your product, not in your brand, but more, more confident in themselves and the decisions they make on behalf of their company. And I think that to me is, that's where empathy comes in, maybe authenticity, but what a powerful way to think about selling and interacting is my goal is to help you just come away from this interaction feeling a little bit better about yourself. That's well, that's powerful to me. That's no. selling. That's not just selling from the heart. That's like just being a heartful person. If that's that's right. Oh, hey, Daryl, th this is so good. And Brent, just imagine yeah. what would happen in that comp. Let's just think about this for a second. Yeah. Just take what you had just said, the last 15 seconds of what you just said. Yeah. And imagine a sales professional getting this out on the table right in the very beginning of an interaction with somebody. Can you imagine the course and what would happen in that conversation if they just laid out what you just said in 15 yeah. seconds what do you think could happen well i, I think i think it's me is so something i've talked about for years in training teachers and presenters and salespeople and something you know next book it'll be in there if i ever write one there's a couple up here knocking around but the um Whenever you interact with someone in a sales interaction, in my or so in, in our profession collectively, in a in a presentation or training or coaching interaction, mm -hmm. um, to me, there's always two things you want to solve for. Uh, 
And Larry, I have no idea if this is an answer to your question or if I'm just off on a tangent because I rant a lot. But I, but I think it's, it's at least adjacent to your question, which is the two things you want to solve for is what do I want this person to know? And then secondarily, what do I want this person to feel? Mm-hmm. And I think in sales, more often than not, we are so focused on what do I want this person to know? And even arguably in, in sort of if you read the challenger sale at a, I would argue, a superficial level, because I know what's behind it. At least I know what I meant behind it. Um, <laughs> is the, uh, is the, you know, like, I want you. So let's say the traditional sales. I want you to know about the features. I want you to know about the benefits, speeds and feeds. I want you to know about our brand and how many logos we have. So that would be sort of a classic. I want you to know about us and our brand and our product. But even in a challenger context, I might say, I want you to know about your company and the opportunity that you're missing by overlooking this. Uh, this. So so I could take what I want you to know and put in the context of, a, of an insight. And I think mm-hmm. I'm closer in. But but the missing element, I think, is the human element, right? Is the, but what do I want you to feel along the way? As I build those narratives, do I want you to feel a little uncertainty? I want you to feel a little uh, insecurity. Then I want you to feel a little bit of hope. And then I want you to feel a little confidence. So, so solving, so that, and that takes empathy because I can't know what I want you to feel unless I kind of know how you feel now. And I can identify not just the knowledge gap, but I can, I can identify the, the emotional gap. And mm-hmm. how do I get you from this emotion to that emotion based on where you are now? And that's why I think empathy is so critical in selling effectively. So and you buy that? Yeah, I do. And and I buy it from the standpoint of, I don't think, well, first of all, you're talking about bringing not just fact, but feeling to this. We yeah. talk about the trust equation where, yep. you know, the foundation of that is authentic relationship plus meaningful value. Those two things go hand in hand. And I think if, if we, sh- if we are just trying to generate feelings of, hopelessness, despair, hope, you know, all that stuff, (laughs) Um, you know, pain, we even say, um, we come across and maybe we are insincere, but if we're actually in order to bring feeling to the bring emotion, which is why buyers buy in order to bring emotion to the table, we actually have to genuinely give a rip about that person, about their outcomes, about all of that. And, and I think you're right that the, the authenticity um, you know, that word's got a lot of different definitions in our culture yeah. right now, but the part of it that says, I authentically care, I authentically yeah. give a rip. And, and that means showing up, yeah. um, passionately. It also means showing up prepared. Um, we can't, can't just do that. Yeah. Now, here's where I want to go with this because I thought, by the way, um, you know, I picked this, this it comes <laughs> in my mail. I don't know if y'all yeah. have seen this before. It's called the Harvard business review. And I saw sales on the cover, which gave me really, really exciting because I love reading about leadership, but I really, yeah. really <laughs> like reading about sales. And I flipped to the back and there's Brent Adamson um, co-authoring a, a really great article. And it was on this topic of sense making. And I think one of the biggest ways we can show empathy to buyers, especially, well, it, B2B, B2C, it really doesn't matter. There's too, There's so much yeah. information we live in such a complex society. Decision making's complex. The options are insane. And I'm sitting here now as a part of a buying team charged with making a decision that has all kinds of data flowing at me. And yeah. if I make a good decision, it's probably going to really help my career. If I make a poor decision, it's probably going to really hurt my career. Like this is high stakes poker for a lot of these people showing up 
And I think when I read your article about sense making, where there's so much information, first of all, it resonated. And second of all, I thought this is where sales is right now is helping right. people make sense of information. Unpack what you're thinking behind sense making. Okay. Yeah, we'll do. So the, uh, uh, you know, and again, uh, I I don't always do this, but I think it may be helpful because uh, just because my name's so associated with the challenger work and the challenger sale, which I still think is you know believe it or not, it's now twelve years old. We talked about that in, <laughs> in previous conversations. I think it still holds. I think the research is still mm -hmm. sound, um, but the context within which that work now resides is very different today than it was twelve years ago. The world has changed, obviously. We kind of mm -hmm. I suppose it goes without saying, but. One of the ways in which the world has really changed and changed dramatically, especially in the last five or six years, is the explosion of not just information that's available to customers that they can research on their own. That, that story has been out there for 12 years at least. And we talked a lot about that in the second book, The Challenger Customer. Customers can learn on their own. Again, nothing new there in some ways, although it's still hugely relevant. Mm -hmm. um, the thing I think that's changed in the last three or four years, though, isn't just the quantity of information, but the quantity of quality information. Mm -hmm. The fact that um, it's, it's not like I can go on because, you know, the story used to be on the Internet. Oh, I can. Hey, I'm empowered to learn on my own as a customer. This is fantastic. And I have to spend my time doing my own due diligence, my own research and separating the wheat from the chaff, the signal from the noise, finding the good information, sorting it out, saying, OK, here's the good information. I'm going to make my decision based on that. I think today, when you go and look for the good information, you're going to find just huge amounts of good information. And and what's interesting is like, well, why now more than before is because we kind of all went there collectively as suppliers, right? So mm -hmm. as suppliers, as we found it more and more difficult to differentiate just on the basis of our products alone, then we moved into this era of differentiating ourselves on broader solutions. So we got into this sort of mm -hmm. solution selling era and we, it's like, it's like, uh, I, it's like my product is, is great, but their product is great. Okay. Yeah. But now I offer a solution. And all of a sudden the competitor had a great solution too. So, so then somewhere around, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years ago, at least, uh, looking for new opportunities to differentiate CEOs, heads of marketing kind of woke up one morning and said, you know what we need to do to truly be different? We need to wait for it because we've all done, we, we've all done this. Right? <laughs> we need to be, we need to be a thought leader. Thought leader. Oh, a thought yeah. leader, right? Oh, if wow. We, if we could be <laughs> a thought leader. leader. Own yeah, the we, category. That's okay, exactly now, right. So, so Brent, so how do you... <laughs> How do you even define thought leader? Well, you know, how, it's not really how I define it. It's really how companies define yeah. it, what they think they're doing with it. Which, like, because mm -hmm. the the argument would be, if we can be a thought leader, if we can demonstrate to our clients and potential clients that we have smart things to say, better things to say, that we have cutting edge capabilities that are going to help them meet their mission critical priorities, and we're going to demonstrate that through through what we say to the world, through content and experts, mm -hmm. and now in these days, evangelists, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and was, what's particularly interesting about this story is about five years ago, marketing got a hold of this and said, let's put a strategy around that. We're going to call that content marketing, and we're going to create a machine that generates that content. And we've got better, better data available to us today than ever before. And enter stage left sometime about five, six years ago, the MarTech stacks. Now we've got technology to do this at scale. And so now we've got a mandate and a capability and the raw material to spam the world at scale with huge amounts of really great information. And the, I call this the smartness arms race, right? It's like every company competing to differentiate themselves by proving to everyone else that they're just a little bit smarter than all their competitors. And really, the, what's happened is you fast forward to today, I think in many ways, the smartness arms race has ended in a tie, right? We're all saying really smart stuff. And the only one to lose is your customer. And if that sounds like a pat line, it kind of is. It's scripted, but it's really good, right? So the, <laughs> I think it's true, right? So, it, it, But that's exactly what's happened, right? Is your customers now 
are like, oh my God, everyone's coming at me with thought leadership or in, if you know, if the, or or insight, the challenger world, right? Again, notice in this world, you know, getting on the the challenger bandwagon. That sounds negative, but you know, taking on a challenger mm -hmm. approach and going after mm -hmm. commercial insight. In some ways, exacerbates this problem. It doesn't make it easier. It's like now, it's like here's my commercial insight. I'm going to challenge your thing. It's like great. Yeah, the guy was in here ten minutes ago telling me something else that was really smart. Now I really don't know what to do. Right. And it's not like you should have not shown up with a commercial insight because then you're really showing up with nothing. So don't. No one's going to unilaterally disarm in a smartness arms race. That would be a bad idea, right? <laughs> right. But nonetheless, where it's left your customers is just in a completely different place than they were ten years ago. I think, which is like. Everybody's seeing really smart stuff. They've got data. They've got experts. They've got relevant information. And now I'm just confused at a higher level. Now I just, mm -hmm. I, I just, you're telling me to zig. You've got evidence. They're telling me to zag. They've got evidence. You know what I need to do? I need to study this more. I need to yeah. look at this a little bit longer. I need to do some more research. Um, why don't you call me in six months? And by the way, when your customer tells you to call them in six months, they truly, the one thing they don't want to do is have you call them in six months, right? That, right. Let's just go, go away, <laughs> right? So but because what's going to happen in the interim time is they're going to do more research, more due diligence to get yet more confused. And so this, you know, we, I've been saying for years that your single biggest competitor is status quo. But I think this takes that and just to a whole nother level where the, your biggest competitor is your customer's lack of confidence in their ability to make a decision off of all this information. So they just decide either not to decide or they decide to make the smallest, safest decision possible, where all those different alternatives overlap, um, and 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 so you wind up doing a pilot or something. So that that's the problem, Daryl. I think is that. So I haven't gotten to the answer, which is the sense making idea, but I think that is the. I don't. Know, does that resonate with you guys? Does that feel? Can I confess? Yeah, I, I just got this for like confession yeah. now. I mean, I I ran. Need a couch. A yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Actually, usually when Brent comes on the podcast, there's a couch. Hold on. There we go. Involved. Miriam, there we go. Sorry, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, yeah. You know, I mean, confession. I mean, I ran a content marketing agency for 17 yeah. years, right? And so there is, but you're right. I mean, in the, I love how you frame that. There's actually a lot of good content. 17 years ago, there was a lot of garbage out there, but there there's was. a lot of really, really good yeah. content out there, and buyers are. Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, you walk in with your commercial insight, ready to teach Taylor and take control. And, um, the next person in line walks in with the commercial insight, maybe the exact same white paper <laughs> that yeah. you showed, or, right? You know, it's funny. It's same deck. It, right? I did a meeting deck. in Palo Alto just before a quarantine. Gosh, it's, it's three years ago now, at least, but it's crazy. Right. Um, but he said, <laughs> I was talking about this idea back then it was early stages of this idea. And he literally looked at me and said, yeah, but Brent, I hate it when this happens. Said, but Brent, I did what you told me to do. It's like, right. oh, God, this, this never ends uh -oh. well. Someone says that to me, right? <laughs> okay, but, but he said, but we adopted Challenger and we built commercial insights. So while the mm -hmm. whole market is out there telling our customers they need to zig, we're out there challenging them, telling them they need to zag. So we're okay. And I said, well, let's play this out from your customer's perspective. You're telling them, you know, your competitors tell them to zig. They've got evidence. You're telling them to zag. They've got evidence. I don't know that that's sufficient to get your customers to buy. I think that's just sufficient right. to get your customers confused. And and I, I really do think that's that's where we are today, Daryl, is just customers. I mean, commerce is still going to happen. I often joke it's like amazing commerce still happens at all. But yeah. it's like people still have to buy stuff. They have to replenish stuff. They have to fix stuff. That you know, So commerce will still happen. But it always makes me wonder how much more commerce could and would happen if customers just felt more confident in their ability to make bigger, better decisions on behalf of their company. And that to me, then Larry comes full circle back to this yeah. authenticity point, which is 
that to me seems to be the opportunity on the table today. It's not solving for, do you know my product or have you heard my insight? It is solving for how can I help you as a buyer or a buying team feel more confident in your ability to make a bigger decision on behalf of your company? That's okay, so, the unlock. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go yeah. there. So now, okay. so now I'm a sales professional. I'm a sales yeah. leader and I'm listening to this. I'm going, okay. I smell what y'all are cooking. I buy into this. What yeah. do I do next? So now walk, what, right? Yeah, walk. So walk us through that. Unpack. That. Okay. So so it stands to reason. So if I don't want the biggest challenge, but one of your biggest challenge, certainly the biggest new challenge, I think, as a sales professional on the table, is this information challenge, right? The, and again, it's not your challenge. It's actually your customer's challenge. They are overwhelmed with high quantities, high quality information. What that tells me, at least, or indicate seems to indicate to me is that among all of your other techniques and strategies in your sales toolkit, so you've got to have an opportunity plan, you've got to have an engagement plan, you've got to, you know, all the kinds of things you guys talk about all the time, and rightly so, and do a really great job of it. The one thing I don't know that we've ever talked about up until about a year and a half ago is, in addition to all of that, great, one more thing to worry about, is I need to have an information plan. Mm -hmm. I need to think about what information, a couple things, what information have my customers likely encountered already as part of their independent learning, either from myself, from my colleagues, from my competitors online, not just from me, but from everywhere. Mm -hmm. And 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 if the, I don't know that that's something sellers really thought much about, maybe sort of tangentially or uh, adjacently, or, or just sort of just in passing, they thought, well, they've probably seen this white paper from them, right? But if you really sat down to do almost like a, an information audit and really laid out and I don't know if you need to do this at the rep level or maybe do this at the company level. In the in the article, we talk about a company uh, that did this at the company level uh, and did a really nice job of it. But the uh, but just, like, just map out what are all the different websites, white papers, cal cost calculators, commercial insights that my customers have likely already seen, not just from us, but from others. Okay, now mm -hmm. that's step one. Then the next thing I got to ask is, where where's that information likely to overlap? Where is it likely to conflict? What questions is it likely to raise? What questions is it likely to what questions should the customers be asking that they're likely less likely to ask because this information took them down a wrong path, for example. Um, and so I, I, this is all part of an information plan. And then based on that, what information, incremental information, am I going to provide them now? How am I going to talk about that information? How am I going to help them? I like the three words. Again, it sounds scripted because, well, it, it, it is. But, the, uh, <laughs> but I'd say it is, how can I help my customers organize, prioritize, and analyze information. Hmm. What's my strategy for that? Hmm. And, and, and so the sense making thing, Daryl, that you mentioned that, that we talked about in the article, or I, I, I talk about in the article, it's called sense making for sales is the name of the article. Um, in the work that we did at Gartner, we found that sales reps, broadly speaking, have one of three approaches to information. And by the way, I want to be super careful because again, it's a challenger guy. This isn't sales profiles. This isn't like challenger versus hard worker. Mm -hmm. These are, this isn't about who you are as a person. These are just techniques. So I don't want to make this big. I want to make this actually small. Does that make sense? Like mm -hmm. yeah, it does. Whatever, who, whoever you are as a person, wherever your proclivities are, there are three different ways that you, whoever you are, might engage customers with information. There's a giving approach, a telling approach, and a sense-making approach. Giving is... I call it giving sort of indiscriminate generosity. It's like, hey, there's more information where that came from. And, and I think this actually, as much as we laugh or joke, I think that's actually what we often think of as our role as a sales rep, is my right. role as the provider of information. That's how I, I deliver value. My authentic self being selling from the heart is to give you another white paper. No, it's like, I, I, that's not what you guys are saying, to be fair to right. you. But, I, but one could imagine like, 
I want to sell from the heart. I want to be authentic. I want to be a good person. Therefore, I want to be generous. One of the ways I be generous, I can be generous is by providing information when my customers ask. They say, can you give us more? And like, yes, I can give you more. And mm -hmm. there's more. And what's interesting is that giving approach, as right as it might feel, can actually actually exacerbate the very problem it was you were trying to solve yeah. for, which is now they're just even that much more overwhelmed. The telling approach, on the other hand, is this one we're finding more and more reps are falling back onto or back to, which is this is sort of, you see this particularly a, a lot with people who've been selling for a long time, old folks like you guys and me, right? Like mm -hmm. you, all of us, we've been around doing this forever, right? And even particularly as a subject matter expert, I, I fall into this trap sometimes, which is I've been doing this for 30 years. And what I find is what you need to do is X. And I just yep. tell you the answer, right? It's like, uh, here, in my opinion, do this. Or in my expertise, I, you know, I would suggest that you do that. And so we just kind of show up and tell our customers our opinion and assume that the gravitas of our experience of our presence is sufficient for them to feel like, well, if Brent thinks it, it must be right. You know, it's like that. And that's, that's how's telling. that working for you. <laughs> <laughs> Have you met my wife? It's not working at all, <laughs> but I'm pumped. I'm here all week. But, but I, honestly it doesn't, right. Particularly with millennials and below, right. it's like, you know, where I can, I can source information from multiple sources. I, having one person who, however, young, old, tall, short, whatever, you know, like whoever they are, you know, male, female, doesn't matter. Just taking one person's word for it doesn't seem, we don't live in that world anymore. So mm -hmm. just telling them what to do seems to be ineffective. In fact, customers are more cynical of you if you just tell them what to do than if you gave them options to consider. So you actually make them more um, skeptical, not cynical, but skeptic, skeptical yeah. of you. Um, so the third option, so so of our information strategy, I can just give you more information. I could try to solve the problem by just take, don't look at any of that. Just here's what you need to do. I can cut through it all. <laughs> we just bottom line are, right? okay. or, or, or I can adopt a sense-making approach. The sense-making approach starts with empathy, right? It starts with just an acknowledgement of the challenge that customers are facing. Look, there's a lot of information out there. I would imagine it's pretty overwhelming. And then use the line, I always, I call it the phrase that pays, which is, I don't know if it actually does, but the, uh, I don't have a bar chart that proves it, but the, uh, um, I have used for 20 years a phrase that sounds a little bit like this. In working with other customers like you, one of the things that we have found is, uh, and that's a really powerful way because it creates empathy, mm -hmm. it creates connection, it builds in social proof, it mm -hmm. takes the burden off of you as the expert. You are just simply Switzerland, the neutral party, can you know just conveying information. But you know, I, in working with other customers like you, we find this can get really overwhelming. There's three or four questions everyone seems to have, and they all seem to get stuck here. Let me see if I could just down with you if you're if you're open to it, and just help you see if we can just make some sense out of all of this, right? Mm -hmm. And that's that's selling from the heart. And I think uh, Daryl, is your point, and Larry, I know you believe this, like like with every fiber of your being, when you say that. You have to mean it. Do you know what I mean? You yeah, have to truly. That's the authenticity point. You have to yeah. like. I truly do acknowledge this is hard, and I truly do want to help because it is hard. And and I think just that very acknowledgement, and then from there, sense making is all about providing your customers some sort of framework such that they can come to their own conclusions based on that information. So you are, you are, your 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 job here is less of telling what to do or just giving information. It's it's helping them again organize, analyze, prioritize, helping them create a framework such that they can come to their own conclusions in a way that feels more confident. They feel more confident about it. Uh, I, I love this stuff. And as I was listening to what you're saying, there, there's two yeah. words, there's, there's two words that came through that came into my head and it's yeah. confidence and believability. Yeah. And, and, and where I'm going with this is and, and I love how you phrase that is salespeople who lack confidence and who are 
have a hard time believing that they can pull this off or believe in themselves or believe in their messaging are going to struggle with this. But I believe this is the key to really getting an executive and mid-level decision makers and those involved in that buying committee to open up. And I think that's the bit, that's the biggest gift that you can give to somebody or to a group of people is just to share it in a way yeah. like that and to lean into the conversation and, and to say, Hey, I understand. I get it. Right. That's right. Yeah. And this goes back to, so you take a couple of these ideas and put them together, Larry. Right. So it's like the phrase and working with other customers like you. And remember, I told you, it's not what you want you to yeah. know, but what I want you to feel. So you can build some language of emotion in there, not mm -hmm. in a cynical way, but in an mm -hmm. empathetic way, which is in working with other customers like you, we find this can be really hard. In fact, a number of companies told us it's, it's kind of overwhelming. I'd imagine sometimes this can be really hard for you. And by the way, that can be sort of a, a probing question, right? It's a, mm -hmm. uh, because it's saying, no, no, we're good. It's like, okay, then I change my tack, right? If they say, oh, tell me about it. Well, then I know to press there a little bit deeper, right? Yeah. But it's mm -hmm. a, how, how, it's not just probing for knowledge. It's probing for emotions and trying to understand where they are such that you can display that much more empathy as you move forward in that conversation. So, yeah, it's like, we find companies really struggle. This can be really confusing, can't it? It's yeah. like, no, no, we're good versus, oh, no, I'm really, well, I'll tell you what, let's see if we can kind of make some sense out of this. Let me, here's how we find that, it's helpful to kind of work through it. You step back and take a step at a time. You know, but again, it's, it is, it's, it's all the things we all talk about all the time. It's listening, listening very carefully to how they respond to those emotional signals. Do they agree with them? And, and it's okay to say, it's really hard, isn't it? Say, no, it's not hard at all. That's not like they disagreed with you. That's like, they just gave you a gift. It's like, okay, so then you switch mental math and say, okay, they don't find this hard. It's either they don't find it hard because it's actually easy for them or they don't find it hard because they haven't fully recognized how difficult this actually is. Let's probe on that. But mm -hmm. again, it's this constant sort of root causing that you're doing in the moment as you talk to your customer to figure out where are they getting stuck and how can I help? Um, all with a, here's the last thing I'll throw at you to see if you guys buy this. <laughs> I th this is where my head's really at these days, mm -hmm. but it's all got to be Socratic. That's words, the word I was going to yeah. use. Right? Yeah. So if I'm if I'm solving for a customer emotion, right? But again, it's it's which is confidence, mm -hmm. but it's not their confidence in you, but their confidence in themselves that I'm solving for. Yeah. Then if I want customers to feel more confident in themselves, it stands the reason I think that they need to feel like it's their conclusions they've come to, that it's their decision. So yes. this is why I think telling doesn't work very well because then you're just telling me what to do. Then I, I'm I don't feel confident in my decisions. I feel confident that that's what you think but I don't feel confident it's what I think. So, so how can I create a, an interaction such that I'm allowing customers to come to their own conclusions? So I think that the talk track is different. It's like, here are three different options we find people tend to value. Um, here are the different reasons why one might go with another, um, but, and kind of leave it at that. And then they have to choose. And if they don't choose one that leads to you, you gotta be, you gotta be willing to live with that. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And I think also that the Socratic way of, of saying, Hey, look, you know, here's, here's the tension. Here's, here's yeah. two different perspectives on this, you know, if, uh, like you're saying from well, great sources, well, well-researched things. I'm curious, you know, how do you see this in your organization? Let's talk yeah. about that. And then also, man, I wish we get that. I know we're bumping up against the bottom of the hour, but I think there's that also that confidence in, um, in, in making the decision, not just the yeah. subject yeah. area, you know, That's right. but I think a lot of these, this Socratic questioning now is moving away from where's your pain, because I better know that when I walk in the door. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and more towards um, let's understand, let's, you know, let's make some sense. Let's discuss, let's have a conversation 
about how other organizations are navigating some of these challenges and some different perspective around that. And then I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. Daryl, and your point there is the, is the social proof aspect becomes really important. It's really yeah. interesting. The uh, the word that I'm hearing, in fact, I'll do a podcast today's Friday, right? Well, at least we're recording on a Friday. But the uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, unless you were supposed to pretend that we we're doing this live, so <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're doing this whatever day, now. whatever day yeah. you're watching this on. That's the day we're doing <laughs> oh, it's it. Live. It's all yeah. this is fresh, hot <laughs> off the digital. Uh, but anyway, but I shortly in the near future someday I will be doing a podcast um, uh, with an uh, uh, all about sales community or about community customer communities. And I think mm-hmm. the reason I mention this because this is something, Daryl, that um, to your point is is exploded onto the scene, particularly in the SaaS yeah. world of. Yep. And this is actually the new job I'm going to is being part of this is building out communities of trust and of social proof such that your customers can talk to one another and not just have to rely on themselves or you, the seller, but can rely on others to learn together. And I I think that's that's what's powerful. And that's why I'm going where I'm going to do what I'm doing. I I love this because oftentimes and I I challenge salespeople and their sales leaders is to build build community with your clients and bring them together and you become the facilitator. Exactly. Oh, yep. this is, oh. See, Larry, that's, that's a, the Socratic point again, right? It's like, yeah, I'm not yeah. here to tell you anything. Yeah. I'm just here to, I think that's, yeah. the, that's the other word to me is like salespeople, if they begin to rethink their, recast their role as a facilitator a rather than a yeah. seller, they're yeah. going to be 10 steps oh. further down the game board than anyone else, 100%. Well, and this is so true because, yeah. you know, I don't know if you're in the book, The Challenger Customer or not, but you told me five point. <laughs> Seven decision makers. Five point four, and that was ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. Not, you know, it's now way more than that. Yeah, there truly is a role of facilitating in any 100%. type of B two B sale for sure. And and so, this is not just you know if you think about the communities of different clients, but there's also the facilitation of that conversation inside that organization yeah. with people at the table that have different outcomes they want, different perspectives. Yeah. They might not even know each other. That's right. Um, so and they've been brought together to decide this so we can facilitate yeah. all of this. Brent. And, and that to me, hold on, I got Derek, because I know. All right, this is, go, so put, this is so let good. Let me bookend before you bring a full circle, because I honestly, cool. and I sincerely mean this, which is that to me, honestly, mm-hmm. is what selling from the heart truly means. And I, we've danced around it. We joked a little bit about it, but yeah. it is to really want your customers to make a decision that's good for them, that will be yeah. good for their business, will be good for their self-perception, make them feel better and just make the world a little bit better. If you're not driven by that, that's totally fine. And that doesn't mean you're a bad person, but I find that like we could all use a little bit more of that in the world is just a little bit more empathy and a little bit more just like helping people feel good about the decisions they make. No, this is so good. And, and this is what keeps them coming back for more. And this is yeah. what will have them sharing their, you know, sharing their that's experience right. with other people is yeah. just, yeah. Hey, Brent, I love this conversation. <laughs> hey, yeah, you know, hey, Daryl, you know what we need to do? We need to get like Brent on the circuit. Hey, Brent, you're good for like every five, six months. Just pop in. Done. Now just right. pop in and share something. I'll keep inviting myself back to you guys tell me to stop. Or if you're more important, will you please stop with that guy? Hey, Daryl. That rating's going down. No, really quick. That's all. That's all this happened. It was like, it was like, I don't know. It was maybe 30 days ago as we're recording this. I get a message from Brent. Hey, I got to come back on the podcast. I'm just going to invite myself. I said, you can come on whenever you want. You remember that Brent? I do. Yeah. About 30 days from now, you'll get another one. (laughs) I'm ready again. Have you forgotten the pain of the last time? I'm ready for the next one. We recovered. We recovered. Brent, thank you for helping us make sense of selling. Welcome. Uh, 
we wish you all the best uh, yeah. in the new role. And I can't Thank wait you. for you to come back and talk about some of this community stuff. As it hundred percent, yeah, I'm going to learn fun. a lot, and I'm super excited about uh, about the new role. So yeah, stay tuned. Awesome, awesome, Thanks. awesome, awesome. Larry, oh, wow, uh, it's always, always entertaining, always when Brent entertaining comes on. and and thought provoking. And I think what we're touching on here today is, and everyone go, we'll put the link in the show notes, to this article on sense making for sales. Cause I think it's so profound. Um, and really, I want to say the future of sales, but it's the now of sales. We've got to get into this mode to get past the, where's your pain? <laughs> you know, just come on, man. That's, you know, let's move towards helping people make great decisions. Cause I don't know about you, Larry, but I get so frustrated and have been over the years as a sales professional, when you know, it's the right thing for your client to do. And then it gets stuck in status quo and nothing happens. And if we can get, not if, when we get better at helping our clients make sense of their decisions, we're going to see a lot more success and we're going to find a lot more fulfillment in people actually doing the things that are going to make their organizations better. No, it, it's so true. And, and I just love as, as God, this, this was an amazing conversation with Brent, but I, I loved at the very end of this, when he brought up communities mm -hmm. is I, I think to me, this is it. And I'm so glad Brent brought it up as far as this and how it ties into selling from the heart, because to me, that's what it's about is if you as a sales profession, professional and you as a sales leader can foster this on your sales teams and build client communities with a sense of purpose, watch what starts to happen. A couple other things, look at what you'll start to uncover and what you'll learn from bringing your clients together. It's great, which is a great transition to thanking our sponsor, the Selling from the Heart Insiders <laughs> Group, which is a community of like-hearted sales professionals that are trying to help each other make sense of how to live authentically as, as sellers. Go to sellingfromtheheart.net slash insiders, join us, hang out. Larry, it is a uh, honor. This is fun. And this is the work that we're doing together in this movement of authenticity. And that includes everybody listening into this podcast. Um, if you've listened more than once, you're part of the movement now. <laughs> um, everybody, what we're doing is, is we're really, um, we're enabling each other and our clients to make positive changes and make a difference in the world. That gets me excited. Also get excited when I see the roster of guests coming up throughout the summer. So make sure to like, subscribe, follow, whatever you need to do on the platform on which you listen. And thank you to everybody leaving us reviews. Till next time, keep being genuine, keep being authentic, keep adding real value, be empathetic and help your clients make sense of their world. And most of all, sell from the heart. Thanks for listening to the Selling from the Heart podcast on the SalesCast Network. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. We appreciate your encouraging reviews as it helps us spread the word. As always, we would love to connect with you. So look for us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and your favorite podcast platform. This podcast is produced by our friends at SalesCast. Learn more at www.salescast.co. We look forward to seeing you next time.